the Watchdog on Wall Street podcast, explaining the news coming out of the complex worlds of finance, economics, and politics, and the impact it will have on everyday Americans. Author, investment banker, consumer advocate, analyst, and trader, Chris Markowski. Okay, um, we're going to start off talking about uh, kind of a concept that I've been uh, batting around here on the program for a very, very long time. Um, again, many of the, the concepts and things, we try to take a look at the world as a whole. We, we defy what's being shoved down your throat, the narratives and all that other crap. Um, one of the things, again, we've been talking a lot about this lately in the future is China. It was interesting uh, today. Um, you had Kyle Bass. Kyle Bass was on. I was watching old CNBC and he was talking about how uh, Texas and he had a senator from Texas on there. Texas is not going to allow any any company from China, any company from North Korea, uh, any company from Russia to tap into its infrastructure, any type of infrastructure at all. And they're basically saying this is you know patently absurd here. This is supposedly our adversary, right? And you know we're going to allow them to buy up land. We're going to allow them access to our internet, our water. And our power. And again, I always find the, the back and forth and who's an adversary and who's not an adversary all, all quite fascinating. A, a point that, that Bass made during the interview today is, is something that we've talked about for a while here on the program. Um, and the, the point was the fact that he talks about how government, and I have my watchdog on Wall Street, Axis of Evil, big business, politicians, and the media. Um, he didn't pull the media into this, but he, he said, you know, you got Washington, D.C., and you've got Wall Street that's allowing all of this to happen. And he was basically pointing the finger at Wall Street, saying Wall Street that cares about one thing and one thing only, that's money. For many, many years here on the program, I, I found it offensive. I used to live and work in downtown New York, flying American flags outside these buildings when I knew well and good. I didn't give a damn about America. Can't give a damn about the bottom line. And they're check. That, that, that's it. And there's no thinking about America first. I know I'm stealing that from Donald Trump. But again, one would think that uh, you live in a country, you might be somewhat loyal to it. And my experience with many of the people in Wall Street, not all. This is not all encompassing, but I would definitely say it's the case for the big banks. I don't trust them, nor should you. And Kyle Bass was basically saying here's just no nobody's looking out for the united states he's talking about how patently absurd uh this is if these you know all of our threat assessments by washington dc points at china as our number one adversary out there why are we allowing them to buy up all of our infrastructure why do we allow russia to come in and buy uh uranium i mean it's just it's it's nonsensical. It really is. It does, it's hard to get your arms around. And again, if you think about this, if you're any sort of deep thinker, you'll say to yourself, this doesn't make any sense. Years ago, I was, again, we're talking about communist China. And, and I, I said, I said, stop. I, I'm so sick and tired of it. I know they got the hammer and sickle there at the uh, Chinese Politburo in the background, but they're not communist. They're not communists. Words have meaning. Hey, I, I didn't spend uh, you know a great deal of time studying communism, but yeah, I had to take classes on it. We did the Communist Manifesto back in 
college. I understand what communism is and what China's got going on is not communism. You don't have Ferrari dealerships in communist countries. It doesn't work that way. But again, it's, it's part of the problem. Again, we redefine words. Um, it is a, it's, it's a bit frustrating. Again, I've been talking about this for a very, very long time here on the show and really not, uh, nobody really want to pay attention much to this, but there was an interesting column I wanted to point out today it was an actually it's an op-ed in the wall street journal by a professor of philosophy at uh, Dickinson college. This guy's name is Crispin Sartwell. And, and he had some very, very good points he made again echoing or around some of the things that we have been talking about here on the show and he he made the point he says as it turns out capitalism and communism were supposed to be opposite in ideology right now Karl Marx and uh, late uh, uh, late 19th century into the 20th century there were theories and things that they were coming up with, and capitalism is all about greed, and it exploits the poor, all that, that stuff, right? Well, it seems to me, and uh, you know, many others, I guess, that uh, you know, there's almost been a merger and acquisition. It's like a Wall Street-crafted merger and acquisition between capitalism and communism. Now, yeah, capitalism, right, it's, it's woke now. It's woke. You got, you got woke capitalism at this point in time, correct? And the professor's editorial today, he actually he mentions it. He says, you know, capitalism is, has gone woke. Yeah, that's right. What's the difference between an AOP commercial and a sneaker commercial in many respects? Anyway, um, China doesn't have, isn't it interesting how China doesn't have the same problems the Soviet Union had? Isn't that kind of interesting? The Chinese government was, has been preoccupied with what? And again, I, I remember reading this in I think it was George W. Bush's book when he was at the 2008 Olympics and uh, speaking with the Chinese and their, what their biggest concerns were. And their biggest concerns was employing people, growing their economy. And of course, W was concerned about terror, terror, the boogeyman. There's boogeyman everywhere, right? Um, their Chinese party, their control, basically preoccupied economic growth and control of the population. And in many respects, they're doing a pretty good job of that, are they not? Controlling the population and growing their economy. The professor says, where does this fall on the left-right spectrum? It reclines across the whole thing. It's communist capitalism or capitalist communism. If China's communists have appropriated capitalism in woke capitalism, the capitalists have appropriated socialism. This is applied both internally as companies focus on the ideological re-education of their employees with diversity training and the like, and externally, as those companies relentlessly, if implausibly, portray themselves as 
agents of an egalitarian future, right? The new voter laws in Georgia will fall, if they do, to challenges not from the Justice Department or the courts, but from Major League Baseball, Delta Airlines, and Coca-Cola, which operate at once as profit-making concerns and political organizations, rather like many Chinas. Again, we talked about this last week in the... um, the management style of Jeff Bezos and Xi Jinping. Well, capitalism is likely a a phase and it will fade if it stops working on the bottom line. But China presents a more enduring and world historical challenge to our understanding of history. Perhaps the Cold War ended not with the victory of capitalism over communism, but with their merger fascinating to actually think about it and we've been talking about yes i've been talking about this topic for a very long period of time here on the program and we haven't managed to get our arms around it Uh, the point that I, i continue to make here is when you pay attention and you listen to these threat assessments and you listen to uh, the, uh, the amount of money that the Pentagon is clamoring for because China is a big threat, then, and then ask yourself, if that is the case, why the hell are we building factories there? Why do we offshore our supply chains there? Why do we allow them to invest and buy up pieces of property? Uh, Kyle Bass made the point on the interview today talking about a swath of land right next to an Air Force base and right near the border. I mean, just why do we allow this to happen? Why do we allow this to happen? Don't you feel like you're being lied to by the powers that be? Why would we be educating thousands and thousands and thousands of Chinese citizens at our universities if they were adversaries? Would we ever allow during the Cold War... East Germans, Bulgarians, and Soviet citizens to come here en masse to be educated in our universities. Would we ever allow that? No. No. So, again, it seems to me like the fix is not. And I remind you, okay, when you're in charge, you're in charge, and they, you know, they take away people's freedoms. And that's another area I want to head into right now. I'm going to tie cro- Corona into that. We'll tie the war and terror in this, and, and also into the coronavirus and Fauci into this as well. People, people give up their freedom, and they've done so throughout history. There is a um, kind of head in that direction. There's a uh, historian, um, a reader, her stuff. She's a great writer, uh, professor, and I forget what university it is in the UK. Um, she also does documentaries as well. Um, her name is uh, Mary Beard, and like uh, Victor Davis Hanson, uh, you know, big uh, historian when it comes to classical history, um, in particular Rome. And uh, she's made some points, and it's fascinating, you know, how she basically looks at, you know, and, and how she compares, uh, and it's a great way to actually teach today. And the past, because we would kind of look for parallels. You know, talk about history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. And many people ask, you know, how how in the world, how in the world, you know, enormously successful Roman Republic, how did how did they get a dictator? 
How did that how did that change? As it turned out, it was essentially the war on terror. The war on terror back in classical times. That that's essentially what it was. Two hundred to fifteen hundred BC. It was it was the war on terror then. There were, you know, the, the Roman Empire. It defeated Carthage. They surrounded, basically ran the entire landmass around the Mediterranean. The Mediterranean was the highway to get here, there, and everywhere where goods were shipped and moved. And they had a lot of bad guys, a lot of pirates. A lot of pirates in that area. And they would sack various different areas, do all sorts of things. And uh, yeah, they basically started a war on terror against the pirates. And that led to what? Led to the demise of the Republic. And you think about what we did after 9-11. You think about the Patriot Act and all of these powers that we give given to the federal government. And we don't learn. We learn in 2010 the type of surveillance that is being done on American citizens. And yeah, it makes a little bit of news at the time. But the media manages, including... The conservative manages to make Snowden the bad guy, manages to make Julian Assange the bad guy. When they're actually, you know, getting information out to the American people. Yeah, we gave we give up our freedoms. We're giving up our freedoms this coronavirus. Hey, the stories that have come down the pike over the past several weeks. And we, we don't change. Nobody pushes back. Can't you just wear your mask? Can't you just wear it? I, I, listen, I, wife's talking to me about, hey, we're going to go on vacation. I, it's the only place I'm going to right now, if I'm going on vacation, is a uh, is either Texas. Uh, I'll go to Texas. I may go to Florida. I'm most certainly, I, I mean, I'm not going to go to, uh, not going to go to Greece. That's for damn sure. I mean, they're opening up. Well, I'll, I'll go. I'll think about there. I'll think about going other places in and around the country, California, Lake Tahoe. But I'm, I'm not, I'm refusing to go a place where people are going to be wearing masks. I refuse. I have to look at people wearing masks. I have to look at, you know, if I had signs outside, please kindly put your mask on before coming inside. No, no, I'm done. I'm done. I, I have no desire, no desire to deal with this crap anymore. It's just, it's, it's nuts. I know oh, you support your local business. I, I don't want, I'm sorry. Somebody has to start pushing back at some point in time. Now we just learned, again, it was as plain as day. It wasn't, this wasn't difficult and how stupid the idea, the whole social distancing thing was. As it turns out, the coronavirus is, is lighter than cigarette smoke as it floats into the air and doesn't matter whether you're six feet away or 60 feet away. But the flip-flopping back and forth. And again, these people, they love this power. They love it. You know, it's fascinating, too. Let me talk about the, well, assume Julius Caesar was the first uh, dictator, but he didn't last very long, obviously. He had the first one, Augustus there. And when he, he died, he kind of wrote, the whole long thing they used to, Romans did write about how great they were. 
in their uh, epitaph there um, where they died, and he explained, you know, some of the things that you know, good a good ruler needed to do and to, uh, you know, make sure you take care of the people and entertain the people and make sure you build and make sure you do this. And I'm like, wow. Can you think about the parallels? And again, I've been alluding to this here on the program. Um, in many, in many ways, people, in many ways, we are a one. Are we a dictatorship? Maybe dictator by party? And I, we're not fully there yet. We talk about the power of the executive branch of government. Judge, jury, and execution on all these agencies. Again, things that we have been warning and talking about for a long time. The power of the executive branch. The power of the presidency. Again, you think about all of the things that we do that's so similar to what they did in Rome. You know, the presidential libraries where we oh, all over these presidents and what? What? The power of the people should be within Congress. And the executive should be more or less, again, yeah, commander in chief, but also almost like an, an administrator. But it's become something else. And we see it in today's day and age. We go back to China, back and forth, control of the masses and the powers that be. Again, get your mind right. Cancel culture. You can get fired for this. You're going to get canceled for this. They're going to find out something. They will destroy you in the media unless you get your mind right. What is the difference it wasn't too long ago here on the program. Again, we have basically adopted, we've adopted the Chinese model with the social credit score. We basically adopt that in many respects. We haven't gone fully there. I mean, I can still get on an airplane. But it's not via the government. It's via corporate America and via the media. Things to uh, toss around. Back and forth, play tennis with, and your mind. And again, you questions, comments, whatever it may be, feel free. Uh, you know, get to my website, get to watchdogonwallstreet.com. Uh, feel free to send me an email. We'll love to discuss. Anyway, uh, census information comes out, and this is kind of expected. Uh, the South and the Mountain West of gaining some political power. Uh, Texas gets another two House. Seats after the uh, census reshuffling, California loses a seat for the very first time. New York, uh, New York lost a seat. Um, five states are going to gain. Who's it? Colorado, Florida, Montana, North Carolina, and Oregon. Um, California, Illinois, Michigan, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia will lose one each. Um, again, red-leaning states are gaining. More seats on net. That, that, that's going to be helpful because obviously the way they're going to gerrymander the districts, but in the same sense, um, the districts that they're going to end up eliminating 
in the blue states will be Republican districts, and they'll gerrymander those too. Ever take a look at just kind of how corrupt things are in this country? Just look at congressional districts. Just look, look at how they are drawn. Look at how they draw these things up. And it's, you'll see right then and there. You know what you do? Sometimes take a look at AOC's district. <laughs> it's crazy. Anyway, anyway, um, this story from the Hill. The GOP worries fiscal conservatism is losing its rallying cry. Republicans say fiscal conservatism simply isn't the GOP rallying cry it used to be, and that's making it much harder to counter. President Biden's push for trillions of dollars in new government spending. Instead, culture war issues like immigration, religious freedom, LGBTQ rights, big tech, and Black Lives Matter movement are taking center stage in coronavirus uh, era conservative politics. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, again, that's that's their fault because you know they don't they don't really believe in fiscal conservatism anyway i mean what was the last time so last time we have any sort of fiscal conservatism coming out of the republican party i, I don't even know they said you know losing its rally but what when can you explain this to me and I'll, I'll, I'll call it the way it is see bill clinton did a better job better job with the uh finances of uh, our our government than any republicans did Oh, I know, I know, W. W decided he wanted to change the world. Again, a little dictator, right? Hey, he started, you know, look at the opportunity he had. He took advantage of it. He said, I'm going to be a little dictator. I'm going to have this, uh, you know, Congress give me all of this power. It still exists, you know, for all these presidents. It's basically, yeah, war on terror. Send troops here. No, no, you don't have to prove. Congress doesn't have to prove. Send them there. We all went along with it. We all say, hey, you know what, That's, we'll allow that to happen. But anyway, fiscal conservatism, what are you talking about? There was an uh, interesting article in Forbes magazine. I can't remember the writer, but uh, he was talking basically the whole fiscal conservatism nonsense. And he was quoting Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi says, Republicans will vote against all of these spending bills, but they'll take the money. And in it, they were pointing out the fact that the state of Utah, state of Utah, 1.5 billion dollars in aid for the coronavirus one of the packages there even though that the state ran a surplus again he was kind of putting us on you know these republicans you know they're, they're full of it wait a second hold on okay if the the this the federal government is going to take money from your citizens and start just spreading it out um guess what you're going to take it you're going to take it you'd be that they'd be a fool not to be a fool not to, as a, as a the governor of a state. But anyway, yeah, you take a look right now. Federal taxes, spending, and the federal deficit all set records in the first six months of fiscal 2021. And guess what? Guess what? Nobody gives a shit. Very few people give a shit. I do. I do. Um, because I see it. I see it. Um, I stand again. It's you know, you're now starting to see stories. This stuff will never make the mainstream press. The uh, Bloomberg follow this. The Bloomberg Agricultural Spot Index surged the most in nearly nine years. 
food prices. Global food prices aren't at the highest since mid-2014. The latest jump is being closely watched because staple crops are a ubiquitous influence on grocery shelves, from bread and pizza dough to meat and even soda. Everything is going up in price. Everything. Across, I guess, maybe not televisions at Best Buy, and it's been going up in price, and it's going up even more. And most people fail to realize that this is a tax, and this is a tax that, let's be honest, affects people in obviously in the middle class and people that are on the lower middle class to poverty-stricken people in the United States more than anyone else because they spend a greater proportion greater proportion of their money on housing, on food, on these these things. That is the reality. It's a tax. Anyway, I got to do this on the, the political front. Um, the uh, conservative media is it's having a field day with this uh, Iran, John Kerry, you want to call it Zarif Gate? This uh, leaked audio coming from Iran's foreign minister. And everybody's focused on the fact that uh, Zarif said that Kerry let him know, let him know that um, the Israelis had conducted 200 some odd attacks on Iranian forces in Syria. Um, Again, John Kerry came out. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And you got a lot of columns out there with, again, people condemning John Kerry for what he had to say. Um, Again, if he said it, if we actually have audio of Kerry telling him that stuff, yeah. Yeah, again, it is somebody that, uh, again, I I don't even know how you get to basically be removed from the administration. There's a myriad of things that should be done. I'm curious to see how the the Israelis might react to that. But anyway, neither here nor there. You know, real politic. Okay, take John Kerry, put aside. It's it's he said, she said. Unless there's actual proof. Okay, we can just say, well, you know, maybe said it. I I don't know. I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. But I don't know why all these people are wasting their time writing column after column, story after story about how, you know, God awful John Kerry is. Can't believe he did that. You don't know that he did that. You can, you might think that, okay, it, you know, kind of makes sense. I get that too, but what's the point when, if you listen to the entire audio and the interview, what is so much more fascinating about this is basically Zarif coming out and saying that the people in power of in Iran are not the people that we think are in power. Well, the people that they send to the UN and whatnot. It's the Islamic Revolutionary Guard. They run the country and how they overrule many government decisions. This is, again, fascinating. Remember the the general, the the slain general, good job, Donald Trump, Qasem Soleimani. And I'm not being that facetious. That was a good job. Good to take that guy out. Anyway, uh, this guy undermined in the in the interview. It's fascinating. He undermined him in a myriad of ways. 
in the Islamic, and I quote, in the Islamic Republic, the military field rules. Now, again, I take people back in time when we, we decided not to come down on the side of the Iranian people when they were protesting in the streets and trying to change things within that country. Um, again, that was Obama was president at that point in time. Um, so what's the point? Again, this is their foreign minister caught on tape explaining that. I, just, I don't have any say. I don't have any say. It's the uh, Iranian Revolutionary Guard. I, what do you do? What do you do? I, I, again, do you think sanctions are going to help? Do you think sanctions are going to help? I, I, again, I, we've talked about sanctions here in the program and using them in terms of foreign policy. I, I, okay, we're going to hurt the people of iran it would seem to me that you know i don't know <laughs> maybe they they we go by the cold war model and the more of the um the west and the more freedom that maybe they see we have they might like i i, I don't know again we're different now than we were in the 1980s i understand that um i want to mention this as well too um you know, talk about what's happening around the globe as a nation we have an, a great opportunity right now on the foreign policy front we do honestly what we do better than anybody else in the world is help people we do a better job than else but we're just not doing it now and again i'll give kudos to donald trump with uh, operation warp speed and our ability to get rid of the ridiculous regulations and get all these vaccines out the door. We have to do more right now to help some of these countries that are being whacked. India, Brazil. There's been all sorts of bureaucratic problems. We screwed up. We've got excess vaccine. We've got more than we need. More than we need. I got certain people here that they're just not going to take it, and that's their choice. We went over that here on the program. You ride a motorcycle, I'm a big believer, you don't have to wear a helmet unless you want to wear a helmet. But, but the, when I'm, more and more I, I think about this and what's taking place and what's going on, um, <laughs> you, know, you know, this, again, changing our, our, maybe the look of the United States, you know, how China, maybe we're making investments, trying to create more allies and friends. And we screwed up. Originally, when it came to India, and I guess we're trying to you know, turn that around at this point in time and helping them get the vaccines and everything that's necessary. And this doesn't mean giving away patents by any stretch. This doesn't mean that. These countries, again, they, they're not nearly at our, our level when it comes to distribution or the, the capacity. And this is where I think that we can be a great help. Anyway, got to take a break till tomorrow gee wow take a break i feel like i'm doing the radio show from time to time uh have a great day buddy watchdog on wallstreet.com watchdog on wallstreet.com we'll see you
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.